As we continue our journey through Lent, we are also continuing with our uh, Lent homily series. So the four previous homilies, you can listen to them if you need to at St. Francis de Sales' Newark webpage page on YouTube. So also, I'll be doing this the fifth homily in this series called Spiritual Accompaniment. So what is spiritual accompaniment, and what is its relationship with being a disciple and helping, make, helping to make disciples? Like Father Dave sometimes does, let me try to answer this question with an illustration. Imagine this. You set out to climb a mountain. However, you have never climbed a mountain. You, don't, you do not have a map. All you know is that the way is up. You do not know the gear to take, how long the journey will take, or what the weather will be like. You are not familiar with the trails, or even if there are trails. What happens when you encounter wild animals along the way? Can you drink the water in the streams? What type of plants, fruits, roots, and nuts are safe to eat, and which ones aren't? There, are no, there is no guarantee that you will make it to the top and you have never really trained for walking into higher elevations. Nevertheless, off you go. Will you make it to the top? Maybe, maybe not. In reality, many give up long before they reach the top. The ones who do try it on their own may die on their own. Now, imagine that you set out to climb that same mountain but, instead of doing it alone, you ask a trail guide to walk with you. He or she has a map, they know the trails, they have the gear and provisions, and they know what to do with the challenges along the way. They know what to eat and drink and what to avoid. They have the lung capacity and know how to train you first in the foothills and will walk at your pace as you slowly but progressively increase in elevation. So in these two scenarios, which is more likely to get you to the top of the mountain and ensure you do not give up along the way, let alone die alone? Well, the answer should be a no-brainer, right? Walking with a trail guide. What I have just described to you is the Christian walk. We are on a journey up a mountain. The mountain of God, heaven, is our destination. It is where we all want to go in this life, even if we have forgotten this or settled for life in the valley. But we must not walk this journey alone. We need a trail guide. We need spiritual accompaniment. Likewise, as we grow in our own relationship with Christ, which is a lifelong journey, of course, we are called to be the trail guide for other people, to accompany them on their journey. Those who have lost the map, have wandered away and are lost, have been hurt along the way, ate or drank something and now are spiritually sick, or have been stopped by the wildlife or the challenging weather around them, or those who have simply not developed a lung capacity for the walk into higher elevations and need someone to walk with them. First in the foothills, then as they slowly increase their pace higher and higher to the top. Discipleship, missionary discipleship, 
is about becoming a disciple and, above all, helping others become disciples. And both require spiritual accompaniment. Both require individuals, groups, and even a community to come alongside of the person in their development and training as a disciple of Christ. Keep this in mind as as you consider the following points regarding spiritual accompaniment as an essential part of the walk of any disciple. Remember that these elements apply to you in three ways. First, your own need for others to accompany you on your discipleship journey. Second, others will need you to accompany them. And third, do not wait until you are an expert guide. Jesus does not call the equipped. He equips along the way those he calls. And he is calling you to become a disciple and a disciple maker. The first element. Spiritual accompaniment is about friendship. It means we get involved in a relationship with someone so we can form a connection with them, which allows us to reflect the love of Jesus to them over time. We do not have to preach or teach, but we witness love. This connection then moves into a spiritual friendship, and through this special friendship, God will provide the opportunities for us to share with them the source of all love, which is Jesus Christ. Number two, spiritual accompaniment may not start with mass. If you're thinking, well, I should get that, the, the people I accompany into mass and connected to the church so that they can form a closer relationship with Jesus. Your Catholic understanding of a relationship with Jesus is correct. There is nothing more intimate in this earth, on this earth than to be with Jesus through the Eucharist. But at the same time, we also need to understand that it may take time for others to be ready for this step, to develop their spiritual lungs. In this day and age, when people are skeptical of all authority and think they can figure out God on their own, starting with getting them to Mass, just may not work. Accompaniment suggests that the process is often gradual. Pope St. John Paul summed it up best when he said, People today put more trust in witnesses than in teachers, in experience than in teaching, and in life and action than in theories. The witness of a Christian life is the first and irreplaceable form of mission. So this leads us back to the first point. Whether it is you allowing others to accompany you or you are accompanying others, perhaps the first step is simply friendship. This could be with a family member, a classmate, a person who has long departed from the practice of the faith, someone who is hurting and confused, angry or lonely, selfish or self-centered. Maybe the first step is simply taking the time to develop that friendship. Number three, as you accompany others, so you must be accompanied. Always keep one thing in mind. A key part of being ready to accompany someone else into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ is your relationship with Jesus must be simultaneously deepened through joining others at Mass, other forms of group prayer, discipleship groups, retreats, conferences, and even learning from others via podcasts or the parish YouTube channel, 
You can be at forum.org or any other reliable Catholic media outlet. And also, reading good Catholic books helps. Number four, recognize that it is God's plan of discipleship. It is not your plan. This takes the pressure off of you to come up with, with a plan or the right words to say, to think you have to have all the answers or you have to be perfectly put together before you can disciple another person or allow yourself to be discipled. It is the Holy Spirit who guides a person into all truth. So again, your first step is to prepare yourself spiritually. That means making sure you are actively following Jesus yourself and spending time in prayer for both yourself and for the person you're trying to disciple. Ask God to direct you in what to share and to open the person's heart to what he, God, wants to accomplish through your friendship, conversation, and experiences together. Number five, don't push too hard or too fast. If you try to get up the mountain or get the other person up the mountain too fast or you push too hard, you will go beyond what you or they are ready to take on. They could develop fears and start to regress. In the same way, be sensitive to the individual you are discipling. Follow the pace and instructions you discern the Holy Spirit is setting. In this sense, you are not so much an instructor, but a tool that is used by the Holy Spirit who is already doing work, doing the work of discipleship. As Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. God has already drawn them. You just need to encourage them to take the next step. This takes time. You are worth it, and they are worth it. Baby steps is still forward progress, and then walking, and then walking in the foothills, and then actually climbing that mountain. We acknowledge where the person is in their spiritual walk, in their hurts and brokenness, in their beliefs or their problems with certain hot-button topics regarding Christ's teachings. But we don't have to fix them first in these places or clarify or defend church doctrine. No. Just love them, pray for them, and show them we care for them. Witness to them our own faith. Even though we do not have all the answers and perfectly put together reasons for continuing to walk up the mountain. The Lord has a plan, and once he has their hearts, he will be the one who can change the lies they have believed. He will be the one who heals their hurts, and he will be the one to help them to understand. Or better yet, teach them to trust in him by showing them how you trust in him. Number six, they are going to sin. Help them to remember God's mercy. As they start to trust in you in your own walk with Christ, it is okay to show them that, in times, you have messed things up with your own walk and how God's forgiveness and mercy helped you to grow more in love with Jesus. They are going to sin. As they start to walk again with Christ, folks are often surprised and dismayed that they fall back to old ways of living, and therefore, they feel their only option is to give up to walk back down that mountain. They may start to wonder, am I ever going to be able to change? Do I have to start all over again? Was what I experienced so far of God's love real? 
Is it lost to me now? Or they may even ask, am I worthy of this life? They need to understand that as they progress and stumble along the way, God is still on their side and has graciously provided a way to deal with sin throughout their life. And number seven, tell them it is impossible to follow Jesus. As we continue to progress in their spiritual, as they continue to progress in their spiritual journey, it will not be long before they begin to think the Christian life is impossible to live. Well, this is your chance to wholeheartedly agree with them. The truth is it is beyond anyone's ability on our own strength to follow Jesus. Encourage them to memorize these words of Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. They will need to learn how to live in partnership with Jesus, with you, and with others, and the value of climbing the mountain with an entire community. And number eight, help them to take more responsibility for their spiritual growth. They may be relying on others to facilitate their connection with God, and this is the whole purpose of spiritual accompaniment. But even though you and others are their spiritual guides up the mountain, they still have to do the work of walking on their own two feet up that mountain. Going forward, they need to develop spiritual disciplines to keep on growing and advancing to the higher elevations. This is where the following acronym, GROWTH, is useful. G. Go to God in prayer daily. R. Read. Read God's word daily. O. Obey. Obey God moment by moment. W. Witness. Witness for Christ by your life and your word. Trust. Trust God with every detail of your life. And H is the Holy Spirit. Allow him to control and empower your daily life and witness. In today's gospel reading from John chapter 2, Jesus was in Jerusalem and visited the temple. And he sees that life in the temple is not as his father originally designed it. The followers of God aren't living in life that God wanted them to live. Well, Jesus had to do a little house cleaning. This surely ruffled more than a few feathers. But nevertheless, the gospel writer tells us that while Jesus is in Jerusalem, many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. When we begin our own discipleship walk and allow others to spiritually accompany us as we advance up the mountain, or when we accompany others in their walk toward becoming disciples and reaching the higher and higher elevations, expect that Jesus is going to ruffle a few feathers. Let him do it. Let him ruffle the feathers. You don't have to do it. He's going to ruffle them anyway. It will happen, guaranteed. But do not start out this way. Jesus may very well use you or use your own spiritual guide to do this in you. Great. Let him. But on his timing and on his terms. Why? Because as John attests in today's gospel reading, Jesus did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself 
understood it well. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows your guide. Jesus knows the person that he has called to you to spiritually accompany. So trust him. When he speaks to you, either directly or in your heart, like during prayer or at Mass, or in your men's or women's group, or through your spiritual friend, trust him and listen to him. Likewise, in your own prayer time, pray for discernment, wisdom, and patience as you accompany others. Let Jesus speak to the one you are accompanying, when and how and through whom he chooses. Trust in him. If we're going to be recovered as Christians living in this world, if we are going to, pro- to progress from pew sitters, which has made us Christian couch potatoes and is killing us, if we're going to start climbing the mountain of discipleship and be willing to lead, able to lead others to that very same mountain of God, then we will need to spiritual accompaniment also. The day is done when we think we will get up that mountain by sitting down. The day is done, too, when we think that we can walk that mountain alone. And, please God, let the day be done when we see the countless hordes of people giving up, walking that mountain, and turning around to go back into the valleys of this world. Please, God, send us. Let us go to them. Reach out to them. Establish friendships with them. Walk with them. Testify to them with our own lives. And witness to them why we do not give up on climbing the mountain. And may we, dear sweet Jesus, climb the great and beautiful mountain of God and make it to the top together, where we will be with you, God, and one another forever which is the whole reason for climbing the mountain.